So I just want to, okay, so my level looks good. Now you say something. Okay, my level, does it look good? You're um, much quieter, so. Uh, hello? Is it the this chair? better? Oh, do you have to sit weird? I have to spread open a little bit. <laughs> you have to sit like a man, yeah. like the man spread. <laughs> yep. I, I could turn the chair around, really. <laughs> you could do the old high school teacher. Cool teacher. You're the cool youth group minister. <laughs> and actually, this is kind of comfortable. Like, okay. I mean, whatever works for you. Cool youth group. <laughs> That's me. Welcome to the Expose Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Molly. And we're just a couple of goofy gals here to tell you about topics and get down to the real nitty gritty of it all. We are here to help you navigate through the confusing ins and outs of hot topics and get down to the truth. Oh yeah. Stay tuned and listen to our next topic. Thanks for listening to the Expose. Hi. Hello. (laughs) This is Molly and Rachel. And you may remember us from the same podcast you're listening to, but about a year ago. It's almost a year. Yeah. And we just missed it. We're coming back. We're making a comeback. Yeah. And you guys can look forward to a couple seasons out of us at the very least Mm -hmm. if you enjoyed it. Yes. We've got uh, we've got it planned out this time. We've got a schedule. Mm -hmm. We've got a methodology (laughs) in place. We've got ideas and Mm -hmm. we plan to use them. Oh, yeah. Just, let's see. We're going into kind of like a witchy month, so we do have some good plans for October. But yeah, Rachel, what happened with you the last year? Give us just the Rachel's life in a nutshell. Hmm, What a year it's been. Well, I bought a house. Still planning that wedding. Mm. (laughs) I had to postpone it a couple times, so it's bound to happen sometime. It's coming. It's coming probably, I don't know, a few months from now. Mm -hmm. Um, What else? That's about it. Oh, we're like remodeling our house. Yeah. That's that's about it. That's kind of the time sucker. What about you? Not much, except um, we did move. We are, yeah, it was an unplanned move, so... Our house no longer exists that we used to live in. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a big thing. And then we've come full circle. So I know when we started this podcast, we were like, no carbs on keto. Yeah. And then we quit for a long time. Yeah. And we're started that again. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of we're trying to go to the gym and get back in shape. And um, we went out to eat tonight. And pretty much the only thing we can have is like chicken wings on the bone, like traditional wings. Yeah. Not really my jam. Like, they taste fine, but I'm real picky about my chicken. Like, the little, like, I don't know, tendons, (laughs) whatever you call that, you know. I just don't like anything but, like, pure white meat, pure white chicken meat. Oh, you're a boneless girl. Yeah. bone-in ever. Uh, No, but I have to do bone-in on the diet because boneless are breaded. Oh, sure. So I had to eat, like, regular chicken wings. Can you have any sauce on it? Mm Mm-hmm. I got garlic parmesan. Okay. Buffalo is usually pretty good, too, but... It's just a hassle. And, like, I'm one of those, like, I'm, like, literally holding the chicken wing up and, like, tearing off tiny little slivers of meat that I deem are safe because there's no, like, veins (laughs) or tendons. Yeah. And then I put the rest of the chicken wing in the the bucket, you know, the discard pile. And Will's like, you didn't eat half that wing. I'm like, you're welcome to pick the meat off if you think I'm wasteful. But that's unacceptable. You don't want to see... The chicken of your chicken you're eating. Yeah, I don't like to see the shape of the food. No, I agree. 
I'm with you on that. <laughs> Other than that, not much on my end either, I guess. It's a boring, boring year. Mm-hmm. It's fall, though. That's yeah. exciting. I'm ready to get into the spooky stuff. Oh, yes. Again. Spooky. We have a Witchtober kind of planned. Yeah. Like a, a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode is going to start out October. It'll come out. Um, we're not quite in October yet, but it'll come out in October. And it's kind of spooky. It's uh, some yeah. dark material. If you guys are into the dark stuff. <laughs> yeah. We've got, let's see, we've got some cults and murders mm-hmm. on the docket today. Why don't we kick off our content Let's here? dive on in. <laughs> Molly, give me a cult. All Tell right. me all about a creepy cult. Because we wanted, we're originally doing like Hollywood cults, I think. Mm-hmm. So when I typed that into Google, there was one cult by and far that was... Mentioned more than any of the other ones. And it is a cult called Nexium. Okay. So, and this is a recent cult. This happened like, I think 2018 was when they finally caught like the ringleaders. And just last year they were like actually sentenced. Um, but it's called Nexium. It's spelled like N X I V M. So I didn't know how to say it until I watched a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. It honestly started out sounding a lot like an MLM. A lot like a multi-level marketing scheme. Why doesn't that surprise me? <laughs> Our longtime listeners may know that we don't exactly... We're we not don't big like fans. them. Yeah, we're not big fans. <laughs> we don't like them. <laughs> and it was kind of like... A, well, it was a cult, but they had the guise of lifestyle seminars and products. Mm-hmm. So like wellness products and like well-being like how to you know kind of like honestly sounded a lot like hashtag boss babe stuff Um, yeah (laughs) and they operated in the hollywood area and they did have some kind of big names attached to it i had never heard of these people but maybe some of you will have heard of these people but in the end it ended up to be like a sex trafficking ring Oh. So, just a little bit of backstory. The cult was founded by this guy called Keith Rainier. He basically would have these seminars and self-help things, I guess. And what it really was doing was brainwashing the members mm-hmm. into dependence on the, the group. He kind of recruited some big, big names, like rich people. Like a lot of rich people to this cult. And one of them was... A actor from the show Smallville. Yes. Um, Allison Mack. So yes. you'll hear her name a lot in this because mm-hmm. she played a big part. She was kind of his right-hand woman. But some other um, people that were kind of big names were the Seagram's heir. Okay. Um, and then some other actors that I hadn't heard of, but I think they were kind of on soap operas and stuff, um, got lured into this this cult and kind of became his like ringleaders. And so they would go out. And reach out to women and be like, hey, <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> hey, girly. Yeah. Hey. A long time no see. <laughs> I can just imagine, like, the text of, like, the message. But what they were doing is they usually, like, tweet at them. Uh-huh. So they tweet at big stars. Like, I think they tried to recruit, like, Emma Watson, Kelly Clarkson, just a lot of big names into this by just saying, like, oh, I, I really like your views on whatever it is. X, Y, Z. Yeah, whatever topic, you know, usually kind of more of like an activist, like women empowerment topic. Okay. And then kind of say like, I have some ideas or there's this seminar that's going on and just try to like recruit them into the cult, <laughs> essentially. Okay. 
Yeah, that's kind of how they tried to get members. And where the sex trafficking comes in is that um, they had all these outer things. And that was basically the MLM, I guess, was like the outer layer of the wellness products and seminars and stuff. But then there was an inner layer called Dominus Obsequious Sororum. Whoa. Yes. DOS is what they referred to. And it roughly translates as master over slave. Oh. So if you were loyal enough to the guru, the, who is called the Vanguard, that's this Keith Rainier, the the guy. Okay. You would eventually be recruited by one of his right-hand women, which was um, Allison Mack from Smallville was one of these women. Mm-hmm. And they would approach you and ask if you wanted to join the DOS. Basically, at that point, you would have endless classes in cur- curriculum, like hours-long classes, all of these books you had to read. And also, um, you would have to give them collateral which kind of ensured your loyalty. And this collateral was like nude pictures, like family secrets, oh. um, just, you know, in a, stuff that you wouldn't want to get out. And since these people were usually kind of prominent, like rich families, or um, the one that kind of came out against it, her name was India Oxenberg. Now, her mother was a actress on the show Dynasty. Okay. And this is her daughter. And her mother actually was really instrumental in getting this cult exposed. So India was one of those who was brought into the DOS, groomed to become Keith Renner's sex slave. And that was kind of what the DOS section of it was, was just like a ring of women that was that were being groomed to be his sex slaves. Like I said, they'd have endless classes. They had to give all this collateral. They had to like live and basically be a slave for their master which in this case was Allison Mack. So she had she could basically tell them to do anything and they'd have to do it. Um, they couldn't like live at home on their own. They had to eat only 500 calories a day and they had to have their grooming, like hair, like shaving, whatever, like to Keith Rainier's liking at all times. So they could not choose like how they dress themselves and stuff. Um, and they had to be ready at all times. They had readiness drills in case Keith came a knocking. <laughs> so, like, they'd have readiness drills in the middle of the night to be up and ready for Keith. Okay. To... So, can I get it clear here? Yes. So, Keith Rainier reached out to Allison Mack. I suppose so. And was like, hey, girl. Hey, girly. <laughs> yeah. You want to be a part of this group, whatever, health, health, mm-hmm. health wellness, whatever. And then, like, then Alice and Mac would reach out to girls, like, maybe you and I, or maybe even, like, D-listers. Yeah, I would say they're probably people who were, like, maybe aspiring down on their models oh, okay. or, like, rich daughters of, I think, like, somebody that was, like, the princess of some small country in Europe was involved. Like, people who were, pro- like, you know, prominent, but not necessarily, like... Like, yeah, like not somebody like my like head. Emma Watson. Yeah, like okay. well, yeah, like okay. they tried, but no, right. none of them got sucked in. Okay, so so they would reach out to these other girls, mm-hmm. and they would kind of make them think that they were joining a wellness group, right? Like women empowerment while brainwashing. Okay, so they use brainwashing mm-hmm. techniques. Oh, I yes. wonder what that would be like. I don't know if it, it's like kind of de- deprivation of sleep. Constant monitoring. I guess they had like cameras to watch, you know, what everybody was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just brainwashing. Like this India was the, in the group for like years mm-hmm. before she became 
the sex slave ring member. Like a DOS member. Yes. Right. Okay. That's the inner ring. Got it. And probably the, the creepiest thing, aside from, you know, having somebody drill you in the middle of the night to be ready to please your master, is that um, they also branded his initials on the women using like a branding cauterizing pen or something. So yeah, that's pretty gross. And they're also, I think, underaged, Mm -hmm. um, underage stuff going on. And so honestly, when people say that there's like sex rings and stuff in Hollywood, I guess in this case, yes, it was true. Um, They did get caught. And um, Rainier was eventually convicted of sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. Some of his members came and danced outside of his jail cell for him after he was convicted for like hours and hours. Like seductively danced? Or like danced say. in joy that he was behind bars? No, no, no. They were like still loyal to him. <laughs> <laughs> so they're out there like, I don't know what, if they like hummed music. <laughs> They brought a boombox. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. Hey. <laughs> like twerking. Like, yeah. I don't know what kind of dancing. But okay. yeah, evidently they, you know, still held a flame for old, old uh, Keith. Ew. He was, I mean, I wouldn't say that he's my type. Like, I could see where maybe people would think him charming. Mm-hmm. He kind of had like a beard. I don't know. You'll have to look at a picture. Okay. Yeah. Essentially. Oh, and there was child porn too. Uh, of course he was involved in that so you know and then Allison Mack was caught too and she was initially convicted of racketeering I believe and then I don't know (laughs) selling illegal things like I don't know what racketeering is Tell me what racketeering is. Oh, I want to be a racketeer. Well, first off, I want to tell you what Keith Rainier looks like. Oh, I want to yes. just give a visual description to our listeners. Thank you. No, he's not attractive. No, he's not my... Yeah. Okay, I'd place him anywhere between <laughs> maybe uh, late 40s, mid 50s, mm-hmm. would you say? He's got longish type hair, maybe yeah. like to the nape of his neck and it's kind of grayish. He's got like a five o'clock shadow type beard, mm-hmm. but also pretty grayed. Yeah. Um, I mean, he started this like in the 90s, so he maybe was a little bit more of a spring chicken at that time. But he's definitely a guy who would like come up to you and like place his hand on the small of your back without like being invited. You know, ew, that's you know what vibes. I mean? Like that's the vibes I get. Yeah. That's and you're just kind of like, oh, no, that's not that's not OK. Okay, racketeering. (laughs) Thank you. Racketeering is a type of organized crime in which the perpetrators set up fraudulent or otherwise illegal coordinated scheme or operation. Okay. Which, aka, is known as a racket. And if just you want for reference, R. Kelly just got found guilty of racketeering and sex trafficking. Yes, I saw that. He's been like, you know, something. I'm not surprised, I guess, because he's been in the news for weird. A lot of weird stuff. Weird stuff. For years, so, but yeah, that's right. essentially the Nexium, which just sounds like a, a cult off like Black Mirror, like Nexium. It almost sounds like a hair care product for an MLM. Well, there is Nexium hair care products, right? Uh, there's Nioxon, Niox, Nioxin. Is Nexium like a heartburn medicine? <laughs> there is something called Nexium. <laughs> If you're but listening yes. and you know, let us know. It is. It does. I kept thinking of like the hair care. Yeah. <laughs> like MLM. Yes. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. 
That's, that sounds like that. But that's really sad. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I got busted. But yeah. And how long did it go on for since the 90s? Yeah, it was quite a long time. And like that girl, India, I mean, I'm sure she's going through a lot because you can see like interviews with her online and stuff. And it looks like she's traumatized, yeah. rightly so. It is a sad deal. I mean, I don't know what it would be like to be sucked into a cult. I feel like I might be a tough a tough target for them. Me too. <laughs> I'm yeah. suspicious of yeah. anything faintly MLM sounding. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So moving on, Rachel, do you bring a cult to us today? I do. Oh. And it's probably nothing nearly as exciting as Nexium. But this is about Australian Bachelor contestant in 2016, Kiera Maguire. Kiera, she spent the first five years of her life spent in a polygamist cult. The cult was founded by none other than her father um, in the 70s, and it was called the Seaside Sept. Kiera's mother was one of nine wives that the cult leader says that he had six Four children within total. It's a lot of kids. That is a lot of children to bear, isn't it? That's a lot of bearing of children. <laughs> Kira said that she didn't know who my mom was until I was five. It sounds strange, but it was just what it was. I didn't even have birthdays. I think I had my first birthday when I was seven. For other people, it might be really sad, but it's not because it's my story. Mm. All right, Kira. Yeah, accepting, I guess. So her father and... His name is kind of hard to pronounce, but it's like Australia Lashikabov. I played it on Google and like listened to it talk, and it's is it very, like Russian? It's very Russian sounding. Okay. But he's from like they live in Australia. Gotcha. But he did go by a different name. He went by Ian Lowe. Oh, you know, just you know, keep it easy. It's just, <laughs> it compares, you know. It's okay. a good cult name, you know. So, in 1992, there was, like, this documentary that popped up on a current affair. And in this documentary, he would compare himself to King Solomon mm-hmm. and insisted that he was not greedy for having nine wives. He said, I'm not that greedy, surely. He had 70 wives and 500 concubines. When it comes to women, I'm selfish. Oh. He's not greedy, but he's selfish, he okay. says. Isn't you know, that the same thing? You know, totally different, right? Yeah. Totally, totally different. So he was first born in Auckland, New Zealand, and then he moved to Australia to um, pursue his polygamous life, I believe. Okay. Is it is it legal in Australia to polygamy? I would say no, because he did get jailed later. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so he was jailed for sexually assaulting four young women between 87 and 91 and encouraged other men to adopt this deprived lifestyle. At first I thought you meant like four women between the ages of 87 and 91. I was like, had some unique taste. Those poor women. No, just between those years. It's Um, like if you're going to be a polygamist or something like that, like why do you have to be assaulting like you right. could probably just live live your sister wife's life out and well, you yeah. would never get caught. He if had you, five willing women. Right. If you just don't But I think them. I think it had something to do with the children that he was bearing and I don't think um inbreeding was like anything that crossed his mind. He's like, Hell yeah. 
she's just like, we're just gonna repopulate this corner here with just all of all my of, all of my seed, yes. basically. Ooh. Um. So again, on this occurrence affair, they dug up some footage and spent some time with the cult polygamist and his family, including the cult wife, the mother of Kira. Her name is Michelle. She kind of described this Ian Lowe guy, the Russian name guy, Mm -hmm. as a gifted and a talent. I was really in awe of him, really unselfish, really loving, understands how we feel. We just love him and he's really intelligent about life and also he really understands women. Gag. (laughs) Then (laughs) they even found him sexy at times, although they were worried about his weight. Oh, (laughs) I will say I looked him up and he is not a looker. Like He's I don't understand how he how he drew in these women. We can all say that, you know, not every person we've ever dated is probably like the hottest guy on the planet. Yeah, but to pull five That's lives, true. I was going to say, you know, like sometimes personality does play into it quite a bit. Okay, so despite his appearance, he still managed to have Ooh. a lot of sex with his <laughs> He's not a looker, guys. No, no. Can confirm. <laughs> How about you go ahead and describe this this gentleman? Um, well, he has hair that is like balding and like frizzy, mm-hmm. and he is he's on the heavy side. Yeah, and he's got like a snaggle tooth yeah. and kind of like doughy face. <laughs> doughy, I love that description. <laughs> and a mustache that yeah. goes down like Hulk Hogan. Yeah, like yeah. a Hulk Hogan mustache. He's not great. He's not a great, great looking guy, but he still managed to have a lot of sex with his wives and um, sometimes four in one night. Oh, but never together, he said. No, never five. No. Only four. Just like four in a night. the limit. Um, So that each wife would sleep with him twice or three times a week. So they had a routine, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Calendar Um, like blocked off. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) So Michelle, the mom of Kira... She says, I don't have the fear of being sitting at home wondering whether my husband is seeing his secretary or the shopkeeper or whatever. Kira's mother tells a current affair, I don't have the fear of thinking that he's going to come back and not love me. Hmm. After the premiere of the show, the cult did like eventually fall apart because he got violent towards some of the women. I think that it just kind of got to his head. Like, right. Like, like I'm on the show. People are going to want to come after me. Like I'm probably going to have 10 more wives pretty soon. Yeah. Like you guys are nothing to me. Um, They said it kind of sort of blew up in a big argument. And we just decided unanimously to tell him that we had to leave. So in 93, three of the wives packed up their kids and left the other six behind. So I guess he did accrue more wives. Oh, so nine wives is what it sounds like at that point. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, like five years after all of that went down, then he was charged for child sex offenses. Oh, he always and, do that. And um, yeah, he was found guilty of 21 sex offenses. 17 were with girls under the age of 11, which is really, really oh, sad. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, so he is now jailed, and actually he uh, died behind bars. Mm. So it, I guess it's a happy story in the end, but <laughs> happy on, I mean, death. not so much for the, those little girls. Icky, though. Yes. Just kind of skeevy and gross. Like, right. They all just seem to involve some, like, weird sex thing, you know? like yeah. Why does it have to go to that? Right. Like, I don't begrudge anybody that has a 
you know, a, a different kind of preference or like a kink or whatever, but yeah. like just don't bring the children into yeah, it. Yeah, don't you know? like, yeah, they can't don't consent legally. Don't, you know. Yeah, just yeah. not great. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> segueing, you know, there, there was a lot of cults to choose from out there. A lot of them were kind of similar to the one you just talked about mm-hmm. with like, Started in the 70s with a guy who mm-hmm. wanted many wives. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw a lot of cults like that. Yeah. And so I kind of tried to switch gears and I was like, you know, what is like the biggest cult that you can think of in Hollywood today? Well, the one that comes to my mind is Scientology. Heck yeah. I've so been dying to hear yeah, about so this. So I just kind of dug into the Scientology idea. So, um, yeah, Scientology was actually founded by a well known science fiction writer. L. Ron Hubbard. He wrote the book Battlestar Galactica. Okay. So he's, I mean, he's, I had heard his name before Mm -hmm. researching this. I had no idea he was tied to Scientology before researching this. So I was like, weird. Okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he founded this and just a lot of weird ideas. One of the tenets is that man is an immortal being with a divine purpose that can be attained through enlightenment. I mean, that's kind of along the lines of a lot of different religions but they just had some weird ways of going about it. So L. Ron Hubbard gathered together his ideas and his followers, and he did write some books about it. And um, he actually ended up having to move onto a ship because he was wanted for just, I think, cults. Like, try, like they were thought of as like a cult in a lot of different countries. So he'd go to like Australia, kind of start up a little thing there, and then like get in trouble with the law a little bit. And so he'd move to his ship and then he'd like land somewhere else and then always move back to his ship because when he was in international waters, I guess he couldn't be prosecuted by any mm-hmm. one country. Good start, you know, to that, <laughs> having to be on the run. Um, but basically he eventually died after he was creating this religion and didn't quite finish it. And his follower, David Miscavige, he took over after L. Ron Hubbard died and kind of completed the whole, I guess you would say, like, Bible. I don't know, whatever. They're, like, religious tenets. First of all, one thing that was kind of weird was L. Ron Hubbard dying did not really fit in with the religion because he was supposed to be this immortal being and stuff. So basically, everybody taught, like, that he had just become so enlightened that he chose to shed his, like, mortal body and move on to the next plane of existence. Okay. But he died of a stroke, so... <laughs> probably, <laughs> Can you <choose> Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's just a lot of controversies with Scientology. And so one of the things that you do have to do when you become a Scientologist, they believe that you have a reactive mind that clouds the analytical mind and keeps you from experiencing reality. Mm-hmm. So that would be like traumas and stuff that's clouding that mind. So they do a process called auditing. And so you go in and you get connected to this machine that's called an e-meter and it measures your body's electric flow while you're asked questions, like probing questions by the auditor. And that's supposed to reveal sources of trauma. And then you're supposed to like get rid of those I guess and like clear your mind of the trauma and you may have to do this process several times throughout your journey they have a journey in levels it's almost like a curriculum they have a very strict like set of you have to take these courses work through these classes reach this level and then you move across the bridge and you might have to repeat that whole process 
many times throughout your religious journey. But you move through the bridge and work towards becoming an operating thetan. So a thetan is what they kind of call like a person. And that is when you reach the highest level, you transcend material law. So you may occasionally come across people in Scientology that claim they can change material and stuff with their mind. Oh. Um, and that's kind of what L. Ron Hubbard had claimed that he could like cure cancer and stuff just by thinking about it and willing it to be so. So that's why when he died, it was kind of like they had to come up with some reason there. Of course. You know, <laughs> that he didn't hear himself, I guess. <laughs> They also promote the idea of an intergalactic ancient civilization in which millions of beings were destroyed and became what are known as body thetans. Oh. So body thetans latch on to humans and cause more trauma. So oh. they're just kind of floating out there, I guess, in the ether and sometimes they'll latch on to you and cause you trauma. Totally. And that's the result of this ancient civilization. I guess being blown up. I don't know what happened to them. Okay. Um, but he was a science fiction writer. And I mean, part of me is like, what if he just was like, this is a really good story. Mm -hmm. And then people just were like, you know, I'm going to follow this as a religion. Mm -hmm. Who knows? He also rejected the use of any psychiatry or psychiatric drugs because you should be able to heal your mind just by healing your mind because you are you should be on that plane where you're able to just traumas whatever just do it on your own get rid of it you know so, <laughs> so easy guys. so yeah don't you don't need to actually get any mental health oh. help with that or anything Stupid. so that is something that's been probably one of the first controversial things is that um they don't believe in helping people with mental health issues and that kind of thing and they continue to promote that idea through today and they say that the effects of medical or psychiatric drugs, whether painkillers, antidepressants, anything like that, are as disastrous as, like, illegal drugs. They view them on the same level as, like, cocaine. Oh. So, they, everybody in the cult or <laughs> in the religion yeah. um, has everything they say monitored. They videotape every meeting, everything that they do, that auditing process. Everything is videotaped. Mm -hmm. Every, all of your internet is monitored and... You basically have no freedom to do anything because they take the view anything that you do like that's against the church is like grounds for kicking you out and you'll be excommunicated. Yeah. Um, you also cannot prosecute against anybody in the church. So all problems within the church have to be handled within the church. Like you can't go and say this person stole from me and take it to the police. You'd have to take that problem to your, I don't know if they call them pastors, but like yeah. your church leader and he would solve it and this is also has been the case in some like alleged cases of rape or sexual assault they can't go to the authorities they have to work with it in the church and a lot of the times it just gets covered up sure yeah so um i thought i saw an interesting story where um david miscavige's father so the leader's father um actually escaped from the cult like they had joined it a long like years ago with them he was in 42 years in scientology the thing that prompted his escape was that David gave him an, you know, an Amazon Kindle. Okay. And forgot to block the internet off of it. Uh -huh. And so his dad, like, Googled Scientology and just saw, like, the things people were saying about it. So him and his wife planned an escape from their son's church for, like, six months 
um, it took them to plan an escape because they lived on this compound. Yeah. All of their trips, like, off the compound were monitored. They were watched. They got free one day because they were going to a trip to the refrigerator that was across the road. They only had one refrigerator on the whole complex. And they had done that so many times that the guard that day just was like, oh, they're going to the refrigerator. I don't need to go with them. Yeah. And they made their escape. His own parents had to, like, escape Well, the, the fact cult. that there's a guard walking right. you places, that's not, like, a red flag to Right. People. You know, it's like, no, that's totally normal. I wonder if, like, people get to the point, like, they're so deep. Right. Then it's like, yeah, like, you have to escape. Right. Well, and I'm, su- I'm sure there's brainwashing involved. Because, I mean, you take these classes that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's like a heavy curriculum that they said sometimes you have to study for hours at a time like seven days straight of studying so you know anytime I feel like that sleep deprivation comes into play or that kind of thing like brainwashing is going on in those cases if you do leave the church you have to sever ties with everybody that you ever knew in the church they're Mm -hmm. never they're going to act like basically like you died they're not allowed to reach out to you or anything like that there is a place called the hole And that is kind of like a prison or you could say like a correctional facility Mm -hmm. within the compound of Scientology. Yeah. Where if you displease David Miscavige, you get sent to the hole and you eat slop, you get beat up, pretty much you get abused and it's basically like a prison. So, Uh, (laughs) yeah. Why risk it? Yeah. Well, (laughs) so yeah, don't, don't make David mad. Obviously, us knowing, like, you can do research about Scientology if you wanted to join, like, actually wanted to join yeah. and you were wondering what it was like, and you look that up, Right. any normal person would be like, eh, better True. not. True. That just makes me wonder, like, how do you recruit people at this point, you right. know, when so, so much infor- information's out there? Yeah. Yeah. So the courses that you have to take are very costly. So this is where it starts sounding a little bit like a pyramid scheme Mm. or an MLM because Mm. they make you take these courses. The books for the introductory course are $4,000. You have to own every book that L. Ron Hubbard ever wrote. Like you, that you just have to have them. That's your basic course materials. And anytime there's like a new edition that comes out or anything, you're required to buy the new books. The auditing process that I talked about, where you hold the little electrometer thing, mm-hmm. um, that costs $800 an hour. Whoa. And you have to pay for it. So if you want to be in the church, you're going to get audited, and then you have to pay for that auditing. And that could be a one-time thing, but most likely it's a over and over thing until your traumas are healed. Sure. Or if they suspect you of anything, they will bring you back in for an audit and will question you about your wrongdoing. And All those, on your dime. Yes, you on your dime. So yeah. they're questioning you about, you know, that on your dime. And then it could last hours um, long and grueling. And eventually most people just tell them what they want to hear. Yeah. Because you don't want to be <laughs> the damn auditing thing hooked up to a e-meter anymore. Yeah. And then they get thrown in the hole, I suppose. I don't know. Good lord. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. There's also membership fees and the courses cost money to take. So you have to buy all that. It's pretty expensive. And I saw that there were cases of, like, once they got your credit card number, they would just keep charging you for everything without asking. So, what so the they, they've drawn a lot of money from that stuff. I'd say. Also, like I said, like, all of, everything you ever say is recorded so that they could potentially use it against you. Mm-hmm. So if you try to leave the church... 
they have hours and hours of videotape of you talking about your deepest, darkest secrets and traumas Mm -hmm. that they will threaten to release. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. cool. (laughs) That sounds pretty, you know, normal, right? Right. Normal normal places do that. Yeah. Um, Once you complete all of your courses and you set across to cross the bridge, you have to go live on a ship for however long they deem is necessary until you have reached enlightenment. What? Yeah, you have to go live on a ship once you get to the bridge stage. Like a walkabout kind of thing. Like, you know how some people are like, go on a walkabout in the woods until you feel in, not enlightened, but until yeah. you find yourself. I suppose, but you're living on a <laughs> ship. And I think it's just a throwback to the fact that L. Ron Hubbard lived on a ship. Oh, sure. So you're kind of like following, pilgrimaging in his footsteps. Do you think it's like a yacht since they're getting so much money? Or do you think I it's don't... like a wooden boat? I kind of feel like it probably wouldn't be awesome conditions because they want to keep you like keep pliant. you humble. Yeah, keep <laughs> you humble. They want to keep you. Yeah, you don't get a big head, you know. Right. And then um, once you get done with the bridge, what do you do? What do you do after you're enlightened? Right. You go through the process again. Obviously. You start at the beginning and you work your way up the bridge and you do it again. Maybe you do it four or five times until you finally. Leave this plane of existence. Oh. And find enlightenment. So obviously if you're still there (laughs) in your physical body at the end of your ship stay, you did not achieve what you were meant to achieve. So start over. They also are kind of controversial because they have the idea of fair game. And that's like their philosophy for people who are speaking out against the church or threaten it in any way, Mm -hmm. they say the ends justifies the means. So they will do anything they can to destroy that person. I don't, I didn't see like murder or anything like that involved, but like definitely digging up your dirty laundry, hiring people to speak poorly of you, you know, putting out ads against you, whatever. Like they, even if it's not true, it's like, it's justified because they must protect the church. Right. They have two mansions in California that are fully stocked, ready to go with all of L. Ron Hubbard's faves, like his favorite pajamas, his favorite <laughs> books, which are Louis L'Amour Western romance novels. Okay. Um, just his favorite foods, everything. For like what, his ghosts? He's coming back, obviously, because he oh. chose to leave, but he'll come back. So. Oh, so he needs like two homes. Yeah, he gets a choice of whichever mansion strikes his fancy that day that he returns, I guess. I don't know. But it, they have attendance, you know, fully ready for his return. So you just kind of get an idea of what kind of money they've got, you know, if they yeah. can keep like staff on... Well, that's the other thing is they have this section called, I wanted to say it was like the seaboard. Churches don't have to follow labor laws. Mm -hmm. I learned this while I was researching it. So churches don't have to like follow the wages and everything like that, Mm -hmm. like minimum wage and working age, like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So imagine it's kind of like a church with like a youth group that volunteers, Mm -hmm. except this youth group has to go and, like, be slaves to people and do things like work on a ship, serve all the meals, and do all that stuff for about 25 cents an hour. Oof. And any prominent members have kind of, like, a little, like, servant section. Uh And it's all, like, these youth of the church that have to go and work for essentially free and just, like, do whatever they want them to do, you know, Mm. take the garbage out. I don't know. They're basically just their servants working for free. So, um... That's cool. 
obviously we know, you know, there's some pretty big names in Scientology. So mm-hmm. you might be asking, like, how do you convince Tom Cruise to, like, comply with right. all of this? And the short answer is he doesn't have to. Oh. <laughs> Tom Cruise is, like, their messiah, essentially. Like, sure. their golden gem that they can show to the world. I really don't think that they ever made him take these courses. He probably has attended seminars and that kind of thing, you know, but yeah. he's never had to go in the hole. You don't put right. Tom Cruise in the hole. Right. You don't make Tom Cruise live on a ship, you yeah. know. You don't make him be a servant. Do you know who Leah Romini is? Yeah. Yeah, she was in Scientology and escaped, I guess, and she she was a lot of the source um, said that, you know, someone like Tom Cruise has a bunch of those like seaboard employees basically as housekeepers and like, you know, yeah. he's being treated very, very well. He doesn't have to go through all this. So yeah. and like John Travolta is another person who's in yeah. Scientology, like all of their their celebrities are being treated very well. They don't go through what the normal people go through. So yeah. that's kind of why they're able to keep those types of people. So Interesting. And yeah, I think he gets money from it too. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't care about it. Maybe he donates a a ton of money to it. And I mean, the church, they believe that he is like single-handedly changing the planet because that's what the church is telling him. So like they don't have a problem with the fact that he doesn't have to do all this stuff because he, he is like converting the planet. You know, he's like their evangelist. And these people who are signed up to be the servants and stuff, I I found like their contract online and basically they sign physical and mental being over to the church for one billion years. Okay. So, you know, just to cover the off chance that you make it into your next lifetime, you reach enlightenment or whatever, reincarnation, guess what? You you better come back. Yeah. You still got, you know. We still got a contract. 99,999,000 whatever years left on your contract. So I would say that, you know, they're not quite maybe as sinister as like the murders and the sex trafficking yeah. But it is something that doesn't allow you to have freedom for right. sure. Certainly manipulative. Very. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So that's Scientology. I am kind of in the mood to get back. Um, I mean, sure, Scientology was bad, but yeah. they didn't kill anybody. That we know of. That we know of. So let's talk about somebody who killed some people. Well, <laughs> this man maybe killed seven people or 127 people. Oh, that's quite the range. It is quite the range, isn't it? A lot of uncertainty there. <laughs> okay. So I was always kind of curious about this thing called the Murder Castle, and it's in Chicago, and it takes place like in the 1800s, like the late 1800s. And I remember listening to a podcast about it, and it's basically this castle that was designed with trap doors and false doors Mm -hmm. and stairways that led to nowhere and, like, gases that would leak from the ceilings so it would knock your guests out. And then this gentleman, H.H. Holmes, would drag you away (laughs) and kill you. So let me kind of start from the beginning. Okay, so Chicago has had a lot of its share of killers, right? Mm -hmm. But none perhaps as haunting as H.H. Holmes, the pharmacist who turned a hotel into a torture castle. (gasps) 
So in like 1893 at the World's Fair, Holmes, he moved to Chicago and started outfitting a three-story hotel with all sort of the contraptions, like I said, like including gas lines, secret passages, trap doors, torture devices strewn throughout the maze. The gas allowed Holmes to knock out his guests before the worst that was next to happen, right? How thoughtful of him. Yeah, so he had, like, surgical tables where he would strap his guests down to. I mean, at least he was kind enough to knock you out and tie you. (laughs) Sounds terrible. (laughs) And then he would burn his bodies in the building's furnace, and then he would end up selling the skeletons to medical schools. Not suspicious about, like, (laughs) geez, this guy has another skeleton to sell I'm sure there was some deals under the table. Like, hey, guys, I'll kill, like, seven people next weekend. Um, Just give me, like... 500 bucks. Right. That's a lot back then. I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) Obviously, he was smart enough to run some life insurance scams off these people. So that's really smart, actually. He copped more than 30 murders, but it's been said that he could have killed over 200 people. That's how creepy this place is. Right. Is that they can't even peg, like, from bones to ash. Like, they can't even peg how many people have died in this place. It's just so... How did nobody notice, you know? Right. Like, how did nobody, like, oh, this guy, you go in that building, you never come out, Well, you know? I think it was mostly, like, he would just lure in young women kind of traveling through. Mm-hmm. Chicago was obviously a hot spot for people trying to, like, make it in the biz. Yeah. So that he would lure in, like, naive young girls and just kill them. <laughs> God, it sounds so bad. I'm going to get haunted by H.H. Holmes tonight. Oh, no. There was a Supernatural (laughs) episode, I think, um, where they had to to kill his ghost, I believe. Oh, really? Because he was haunting something. This man, H.H. Holmes? Yeah. Oh, my God. I really got to get into Supernatural. I've heard so many good good things about it. Yeah, I like the first, like, there's, like, 13, 15 seasons. Yeah. I, I don't remember anymore. I watched, like, the first probably eight or nine yeah. and then kind of fell off, but I did have a big crush on Dean, so. I mean, yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> you know what's funny? This is so off topic of HH Right. But, <laughs> so I watched Gilmore Girls, right, for the first time through, like, a few months back, and at the very end of the season, like, they did a reboot on Netflix, mm. and they did, like, one last thing. And then Dean came on the screen. I'm like, hey, isn't that that guy from Supernatural? <laughs> and Jesse's like, yeah, that's Dean. <laughs> like, I so did not connect those dots. But, yeah, he's a good-looking fella. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the murder. So H.H. Holmes, he arrived in Chicago as a wanted man. He was a con artist and a bigamist, and he fled from town to town, avoiding prison time for various scams, including insurance fraud, blah, like, duh. This guy yeah. is always doing that stuff. He was stealing and mutilating medical cadavers and pretending they were victims of accidents to collect money. He's so normal, you guys. Like, yeah, just I mean, it's like not a terrible scheme. It's just think of something that doesn't involve like human remains, you know, just he loves it. I guess he thrives off the thrill of <laughs> mutilating bodies. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know why I picture this guy to be like kind of like Dr. Frankenstein in a way. Like this is how I just picture it. Was he like. Did he lure women in? Was like he supposed to be a charmer, or was he like? No, he's like, hey, I've got some open rooms at my okay. hotel. Gotcha. I Come didn't know stay if it was at a fair price, yeah. milady. <laughs> milady. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
anyone calling me milady. I mean, I would trust him. Right. I'd be like, like oh, I mean, H H. What is this hole in the floor? Nothing, probably. That's fine. Why are there vents in the ceiling? No, H H Holmes is such a loser. He's calling me milady. (laughs) He's harmless. That's what they all say. Okay. Um, But he had more monstrous ideas tinkering in his dark mind. Soon after arriving in Chicago, he found work as a pharmacist and quickly began his plans for building none other than the murder castle. Right. Okay. The three-story building took up an entire block. He called it the World's Fair Hotel just because, like, it it accommodated his guests and tourists and stuff. From the World's Fair? Yes. Okay. Yep. The World's Fair, that would be something kind of interesting to look into. I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of like... Sketchy stuff. Sketchy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, We should look into that. We should add that. I should add all of that to our list. You do that right now. So like I had mentioned, his his victims of choice were young female drifters searching for new exciting life in the big city. (laughs) Ha-cha-cha. Okay. So then there was this one Chicago Tribune article written in 1937 which described the murder castle. So this is what the locals thought of it. Mm. Oh, what a queer house it was. In all America, there was none other like it. (laughs) They're not Southern. (laughs) I should do a Chicago accent. Oh, I want to hear your Chicago accent. (laughs) (laughs) I got to like practice. Chicago Bears. (laughs) You do What do they say? I don't even know what they say. Hey, let's go get hey. the car keys. Yeah, the car, car. Is the, that Boston? Boston? Yeah, that is more Boston. Um, the bit, ba- the bears, the bears, 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 the bears, the, <laughs> the bears. All right, its chimneys were stuck out where chimneys weren't supposed to stick out. <laughs> its stairways ended nowhere in particular. Winding passages. Brought up, it's sounding a little Christopher Walken. (laughs) Walking passages. Winding passages brought the (laughs) uninitiated with fratful jerk back to where they had started from. There were rooms that had no doors. There were doors that had no rooms. A mysterious house it was indeed, a crooked house. A reflex of the builder's own distorted mind. Mm. In that house occurred dark and eerie deeds. So they knew about this while it was going on? I think they like looked at, I mean, obviously someone normal from Chicago had to have gone in it and was like, dude, this is weird. Like, so he, yeah, he didn't murder everybody. No, definitely not everyone. I think just like the naive young okay. girls, like probably mostly like just passerby. Or, yeah. Like no one local. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. So reports do suggest that he killed as many as 200 people in his sinister lair. Mm. Um, The actual number of victims may have been much lower. The number of his victims is still debated by historians today. So he was apprehended soon after he fled to Chicago in October of 1893 um, following the conclusion of the World's Fair. He was then arrested in Boston. Boston. And eventually suspected for murdering his assistant, Benjamin Peetzel, and two of Peetzel's children. So basically what he did in the end was he killed Good old Ben over there stole his identity, whatever, and then he was, like, tried for that. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really interesting, like, he was, like, sent to be hung, and it took him 20 minutes to die because his neck didn't snap. 
Yikes. So he just kind of like hung there. Yeah. Around. Ugh. <laughs> Icky. Yes, if you're wondering, the murder castle has been torn down, so it's not like anyone can tour it. Oh. Although I think that would be like a really cool, like if it was still there. Right. I mean, kind of sad. I mean, people died there. Yeah. But it would be interesting to see like such a weirdo. Right. Like, well, just thought. to see, yeah, like to see how the place was built. Like they're yeah. describing rooms with stair doors, doors without rooms, you mm-hmm. know. I guess I'm just wondering if he slit their throats in the night or if he was like I guess I I have kind of done some reading like in the past just because mm-hmm. I'm weird and morbid it is weird yeah yeah <laughs> I like those weird stories you know mm-hmm. but it sounded like he had some weird things like set up like traps yeah so I think for the most part the gas played a big part mm-hmm. in the uh you know knocking them out and I think from the podcast that I remember listening to there was like He had his own trail to each of the rooms. Like, let's say pretty girl number one, like she checks in and he's like, I'm going to put you in room 12 because it's got a view. (laughs) Yeah. But like, that's really the room that has a direct staircase down to his creepy, like fire pit dungeon. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I'm sure some rooms are normal, Mm -hmm. but I I think he definitely had like internal paths within the walls. Okay. So he could probably, I mean, I imagine he probably like would peek in and be like, Oh, she's sleeping. Yeah, I'm sure they're like, we're little creepy people. Ooh, what a weird guy. What a weirdo. But, I mean, since the murder castle's not there, you can still mail a package there because it's now a post office. Oh, how quaint. Yeah. I wonder, I don't know, we should go, I don't know, maybe I'll do this tonight. Who knows? I don't want to have nightmares, but just look and see because it'd be a great place for like a paranormal investigation yeah. team to like mm-hmm. spend the night in the post office see I what happens i think they have said that the post office is fairly haunted mm-hmm. like there is some odd stuff that yeah. happened there so okay so obviously the old hotel that uh, old hotel is demolished mm-hmm. but why not build a new hotel and then market it as hey come stay on the side of the murder hotel maybe come because think it's people might think that they're gonna get murdered there wouldn't that be just like yeah. Like a van that says free candy and a kid goes and gets candy that they get picked up. Like, isn't it? I guess. I just thought it'd be a great tourist opportunity. Okay, I mean, yeah, tour. Yeah, I know, guess. There's people that You're, like that kind of thing. Yeah, you might. I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe I, not. I mean, there are hotels at market that is haunted. Right. So. Well, I don't know. There's like that whole American Horror Story had like a whole yeah. hotel season. Mm-hmm. It got weird for me. I started I, watching it. I couldn't even get through the first season, to be honest. I remember when it premiered on TV and I was so excited and I watched it on TV. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Mm-mm, I can't jive with this. It, right. it was too scary. I, I watched a few different seasons. I didn't like watch all of the seasons up through. Mm-hmm. I watched the first one. I watched the Coven one. Okay. And some of the hotel one. Okay, I wa- I started the circus one, and that one was too See, weird. See, yeah, me. that one got weird in the first episode, mm-hmm. and I was like, mm, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my favorite one was probably the coven one, even though most people think that one sucked. So Why? whatever. I feel I like that one would be the best. Yeah, one, I it's like witches. Exactly. Stuff, right. Right. It's witches, and it's in New Orleans. Yeah. New Orleans. So, um, I love our accents. Right. right? You, you got a little bit of transatlantic in there too at Did one I? point. <laughs> You're like, put you in room 12. It's got a view. It's got a view. See? <laughs> See? 
Uh, we used to annoy people at work with that, I think. I love that. We were really trying to peg that transatlantic. <laughs> it's hard. It is hard. It's hard. It's Try hard. it. It's hard. hard but anyway. What a fun night of murder and cults. Yes. Murder, cults. Religion. Religion. A questionable religion. Questionable. I'm just happy to be back at it. I, I've been thinking about the podcast. Like every once in a while, I'd be like, oh, I miss it. You know, I started up again, but you know, mm-hmm. it's tough. <laughs> we actually live down the street from each other now as a yeah. strange twist of fate. So we're hoping that, <laughs> that <laughs> the that, convenience, right. That kind of sparks it. And we can be in the same location, I think is kind of fun. Yeah. Next week, we're going to try to do something we've never done, which is have a guest that's not related to us yeah. on the show. So um, tune back in then. We're going to continue on our kind of spooky season. Yeah. Say goodbye. Goodbye for now. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.